0: Talk a little bit about that, just written some excellent, excellent books on the area of finances. And, and we're digging into the topic of, of for, what God is for. We know a lot in the church what we're against, but I, I wanted just to dive into the topic that, that God is actually for us. He's He's for you, He's for people, He's for our finances. Next week we're going to dive into the topic that He's for marriages, and I believe I'm real excited about next week too, about of uh, the topic of, of marriages, and so whether you 're married and, and you want God to take that to the next level or you 're struggling or you want to be married or you 're praying for married couples this this message I believe will really uh, impact a lot of hearts and i 'm praying that God would just do a great work um, next week as we, as we talk about marriage. but I really want to talk about this topic of finances it 's for this reason: um, you know pastoring for so many years, you can kind of draw a common thread of marriage issues, and you can kind of boil it down to a couple things. And if we're honest with ourselves and our relationships, especially in our marriage relationships, one of the common threads of most struggles in marriage is come to the area of finances, the area of money. And if you're looking at your own life, you could say, yeah, that's true. Um, we, we just struggle with how to handle money. And, and it's, it's funny, we, we spend so much time... In school, in high school, elementary school, uh, going to college, or whatever it is, learning about so many different topics. But the one thing about money that we don't really talk about—we may understand about finances or accounting—but it's really how do we correctly handle money? That's the question. And I, as I was researching this message, um, it was interesting some of the different studies that I uh, ran across, and, and if uh, there were some. Studies that were out there looking at the cause of most marital arguments, and, and they would boil it down to money. In fact, according to this booklet entitled Making Marriage Last, which was published by the American Academy of Matrimonial Lawyers, they said the problem relating to financial matters are a major reason why marriages break down. And some of you might be here and you feel like, man, pastor, there's just no hope for my finances and and you're struggling in that area or money has just got such a grip on your heart. That's, that's all you think about. And, and and I think the reason why uh, there's so many struggles within marriages and and it's because how do we handle it? it? It's, it's like we struggle and then we think, well, I'm doing better. And then, and then some crisis financial crisis happens and then bam, we're back into square one again. But I believe that God's word has the answer to our financial woes. Somebody say amen. I believe God shows us how to correctly handle this. Now, the, God's word is not going to show you what stock to buy. So I'm not going to give any stock tips today. Pastor, give me something. Give me The, the Bible's not going to talk about that, but it's going to get to the heart of the matter, and that's what we need to deal with today because what the word of God does is it cuts through all the stuff And gets to our heart. That's the reason why secular studies studies show that the major struggle of every marriage and individuals is money. Because we we correctly think that we're going to be able to handle it. And we can't. We can't handle it. And this is what the word of God does. It, It gets to the heart of our finances and gives us the correct way on how to look and deal with our finances and money. Now, many of you maybe have heard this, that money is the, is, is, is the root of all evil. And actually, that is incorrect. What the Word of God says, actually, that it's the love of money that's the root of all evil. Let me read it for you. 1 Timothy 6.10, it says this. Once again, God getting to the heart here, he says... For the love of money is the root of all kind of evils. And some people craving money have wandered from the true faith and pierced themselves with many sorrows. It's the love of money. It's not if you have money or you don't have money. It's the love of money. And so there was an interesting study that I found. Just this really gets to the heart of it. But there's an interesting study uh, that I saw and it was done by a social psychologist on how money affects the brain. This study was featured on a TED Talk and it was very interesting. I did some research on it. And uh, what they found was this. What they found was this. As a person's level of wealth increase, their feelings of compassion and empathy go down. And their feelings of entitlement And deservingness and their ideology of self-interest increases. Now, what these secular studies are doing are completely backing up what the word of God has already told us. And so this study really, really was interesting to me. And so what they did this study, and this was their findings of a couple of these studies. The first finding they found was we rationalize advantage by convincing ourselves We deserve it. Now, here's what they found. They found that we feel entitled by our money. And so what they did was, they did this study at UC Berkeley. It was a study done. And what they did was, they had a hundred pairs of strangers play the famous game of Monopoly. Now, this is the Rudolph edition of Monopoly in our house, right? Um, Many fights have broken out in the jury's household in Monopoly. If you want to get a fight, just play Monopoly because it's the dumbest game in the world because one person wins and they get all the money. <laughs> oh, you landed on my hotel. Give me money, right? And then these fights break out and then some person has all the money. No people. Anyway, just a really dumb game. But anyways, it's fun. It's fun when you're bored in New York in the winter. And so what they did was they did this They, they, they did this, uh they did this just research and, and, and did this study with this hundred pair of strangers playing Monopoly. And what they did, they changed it a little bit. So what they did was is a coin flip randomly assigned one person and each pair to be the rich player. And what the, you're yeah, like, woohoo. Those are you that become the banker. So I don't trust my wife, Kathleen. When she becomes the banker, she always wins. I don't know how, but she always wins the game. So, what they did was they they randomly flipped the coin and, and they gave each pair to be the rich player. And what they got was they got twice as much money to start with, collected twice the salary when they passed go. They rolled both dice instead of one so they could move a lot further. And what the study did was they used hidden cameras to watch the duos play for 15 minutes. So they didn't know they were being recorded, so they watched these hidden cameras. So what do you think happened? Well, here's what, here was the result. The rich players moved their pieces more loudly, banging them around the board, and they displayed the same type of, as enthusiastic gestures you would see from a football player who just scored a touchdown. Then they ate more pretzels, From a bowl that was sitting just off to the side, then the players who'd been assigned the poor conditions and started to become, and then they started to become ruder to their appointments, talking smack to them as they were winning the game, obviously. Moreover, here's the thing. The rich players, understanding the situation, were completely warped. After the game, they talked about how they earned their success even though the game was blatantly rigged and their win should have been seen as inevitable. And and this is just an incredible, incredible insight to how the mind makes sense of advantage. This is what they came up with the study. There was another study, another finding from the study is they found this. They found people who make less are more generous on the large scale. There was a a, a 2012 study, uh, a a philanthropy study, a chronicle of philanthropy, and it was examined by the eternal revenue service records of Americans who earned at least $50,000 in 2008. Uh, And then what they did is they charted the charitable giving across the state, city and zip codes in the United States. And this was the results that they found. These are the numbers. What they found is, on average, a household that earned 50000 to 75000 gave 7.6% of their income to charity. While those who made $100,000 or more gave 4.2%. And here's what they found. This was interesting. Wealthy people who lived in less economically diverse, that is wealthier neighborhoods, gave even a smaller percent of their income to charity than those who lived in more diverse neighborhoods. In zip codes, where there was more than 40% of people who made more than $200,000 a year, the average rate of giving was just 2.8%. Now, let me go back to the scripture about the love of money. So a couple of questions we need to ask. Is, is God against money? No. What, what God is concerned about is that the grip it can have on our hearts. So what do we do to break this sense of entitlement or attitude or this sense of advantage? Because obviously through these studies, what it did was it revealed the condition of the human heart. It showed that the more you have, the more entitled you feel and more advantage you feel over other people because of money. And this is exactly what the word of God is talking about. We get our sense of worth by our self-worth. And this is the lie that money can tell us, I am worthy by what I have or what I accumulated in my life. And so what the word of God says, we've got to be careful about the love of money. Not money. Money's not evil. It's the love of money. There's this attitude towards it. So God is not against money. But here's what I want you to realize. It's not that God doesn't want us to have money. He wants us to have the right attitude towards money. Attitude Is key. How do we look at money in the correct way? How do we get the right attitude towards money? And here's what the word of God is going to help us see this morning. I hope it helps all of you here today on on taking that grip that it has on our hearts, taking away the worry and the anxiety that we have over our finances uh, off our hearts. So the number one way to understand money is to understand stewardship. The way we understand money is to understand stewardship. So what is stewardship? We're going to dig into this morning. The reason why I believe so many people struggle with money, the reason why these uh, studies show and reveal the heart of people is they don't understand stewardship. And so let's look at stewardship. Stewardship is the management, oversight, and administration of resources. A steward... Is one who is in charge with the responsibility to manage the property of another. If somebody is a steward over your money, over your retirement, guess what? Do you want them doing a good job with your money? The person that's managing your money, is it their money? No, it's whose money? It's my money. And make sure you manage my money correctly. We don't want them seen going on a vacation to Hawaii with my money. We want to make sure they are investing my money, right? That's, that's the way we should look at it if someone's managing my money. So a steward is one in charge of the responsibility of managing the property of another. So a steward is a manager of what has been entrusted to them. So I need to look at my life in this manner. God has given me resources to use For my purposes or his purposes? God has given me resources to use for his purposes. Here is the heart and the crux of the matter. The question I need to ask myself is this. How am I using the resources God has given me to further his plan? That's the question a good steward will ask. A financial manager will ask the same question of those that are handling the money. What can we do to help make your money go further to make wise investments so that you, you have your nest egg when you retire? That's a good question. That's at the heart of the matter. So I want to I give two thoughts that every good steward of God must know. And I believe this will break the tie of the love of money that, that can have on our hearts. So listen, listen, listen to me, listen to me. Don't buy the lie of saying, if I just had more. Because listen, if, if we can't handle what we have now, what makes us think we're going to handle, handle money when we have more? If, if I could just... Have more if I could just get a little further, if I could just if I could just if I could just listen, God wants you to come to the place where I'm content right here and God, what do you want me to do with what you've given me right now so that I can handle my finances correctly now so that when more is given, I will look at it correctly and not be in the same place that I'm at now that I will be even if I have more money. Because we know people that were wealthy and have a lot of money can still squander their money and still end up becoming bankrupt if they're not careful and not become good stewards with what God has given them. So two thoughts that every good steward of God must know. First of all, here it is. And this will break everything. If you get this down, if you get this, if you get this, it will break that tie. First of all, understand this. God owns everything. Can I get an amen? God owns everything. God owns everything. So here's the thing: I must look like, I must look at. I'm the manager. God is the owner. He owns it all. I love this uh, scripture in Haggai two eight, talking about how God owns all wealth. Haggai two eight says, "The silver is mine. The gold is mine." Declares the Lord Almighty. Period. Everything is. Mine. See, understanding this will break this control that I have or the control that money has over me and this entitlement and this advantage attitude that can come over us thinking that this ultimately is mine. So understand that God owns everything. If you get that, you'll start to understand that I am just the manager. God, how am I handling everything that you have given me? Am I The steward that you've called me to be. The second big question here that we need to answer that we understand about a steward is that God is the owner and I am the manager. So when I understand this point, then I can see my responsibility and that I will ultimately give an account for what God has given me. We don't want someone that's managing our money to squander the resources that have been given to them. We want there to be good investments. So God is the owner. I'm the manager. And when I understand that, then I begin to see God, I have a responsibility now to give an account to what you have given me. And how am I doing with what you have given me? How are my resources? Are they being used in a way that's helping the kingdom of God? Is it, are they being used to help grow the kingdom of God? That doesn't mean that God doesn't want to help us in, in our lives, our personal lives, to meet needs, blah, blah, blah. That's fine. But I got I to think in this way because I don't think in this way, then money's going to have its grip on my heart and I'll run the gamut of, of falling in love with money and thinking that that's the source that's going to help all my needs and it will not. I love this parable that Jesus gives about stewardship. Um, and it's found in Matthew chapter 25. And I believe that this goes to the heart of stewardship and how God desires for us to handle our money. Now, what's interesting about this passage, it's actually found in the middle of a discourse that Jesus is talking about end times. And what's interesting about this parable, you're like, this parable makes no sense. It's like, why is it here? Well, I think there's a couple things that we can gain from this parable Number one is definitely we can use it as an example of how to handle our finances, but also it goes a little bit deeper. It goes a little bit deeper in, in basically Jesus saying in general, how are you handling your life? Are you a disciple? Are you growing in me? Are you listening to me? Um, are, do you realize that that I've given you life and I want you to use the gifts that i 've given you to use to glorify me and to build up the body of christ it 's a deeper understanding of not squandering the things that God has given us, the gifts and the talents that God has given us to use for His glory and for His purposes God, how am I using the things not just my finances but but the gifts that you 've given me in my life, the different things. That you've given me to help me to grow the kingdom of God. Am I just sitting and receiving and taking in and taking in? Or am I giving the things that you've given me? And am, am I a conduit of, of your blessings that pour into me? Am I a conduit that they flow back out into your kingdom and to other people? And so this, let, let's, get the, let's, get the, let's get the basics for this parable. Here's what Jesus says. Let me read for you Matthew 25, 14 through 18. He says, for it will be like a man going on a journey. Who calls the servants. So you you see this owner. Calls the servants. and, And he entrusts them with his property. So they are stewards. With his money. With his property. And so what he does is. He has these three. And to one he gave five talents. To another two. To another one. Each according to his ability. Isn't that interesting? Each according to his ability. And then he said he went away. On this trip, and he who had received five talents went at once and traded with them, and he made five talents more. And so also he 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 who had two talents made two talents more, but he who had received one talent went and dug it in the ground and hid his master's money. Now, if you read the whole thing, the master comes back, rewards those who doubled his money, and the other he threw out. He just threw them out in the streets. He squandered what the master gave him, what the owner gave him. He squandered. He did nothing with it. He had a whole bunch of excuses of why he didn't do anything with the talents that the owner gave him. See, I want you to understand something here. A talent was a monetary unit worth about 20 years wages for a laborer. So we're talking a lot of money. He entrusted them with a lot of money. So what are the things that we can learn from this parable concerning stewardship. Well, here's a couple of things I want us to see. Everything we have comes from God, and he has entrusted us to be wise stewards with his resources. Now, Dave Ramsey makes a great point here. He says, do we manage our money or does our money manage us? And I would dare to say, on most cases, our money has control on us, not the other way around. And I'm going to kind of dig a little bit deeper. Uh, I'm going to drill down on this a little bit. And let me just warn you, it's going to hurt. Okay, it's going to hurt. Everybody say, ouch, right now. Ouch. Okay, let's just get it out of the way. It's like, it's like you know, when you get a shot, right? Or they take blood, right? you just like, they tell you, here comes the pinch, right? I hate giving blood. I don't like it. I never look. They always ask, are you okay? Are you going to pass out at me? I might. I won't look. Take my blood now. Be careful with me. Um, so it's going to pinch, but I want us to understand something here. See, are we telling our money where to go, or does it tell us where it should go? And see, here's what happens. Debt makes us a slave to our debtor. And that's why most people are in bondage to money. Because, because we, we buy the lie that if I could just have this, it, it, it's, it's, this it's this instant gratification that we live in our world today that through credit we can get everything that we want right away, but how many know we feel the pain of it later when we buy it on credit that there 's that there's this not delayed gratification of I can wait, I can save, and then it becomes it, it becomes more special when we do that, but with credit cards and everything else, we can just buy it now, and then all of a sudden you know well we just pay a little now and then we 're paying huge interest, and then how many know it just gets the, the you know, the ball of yarn gets bigger and bigger and bigger until we have this monstrosity of tangled stuff that we're like, I'm buried. Because of sm- it's like death by a thousand cuts. It's just these small, bad financial decisions that we keep making, that we keep making, that we keep making. And see, God says, listen, if you don't know where everything's going, you're going to run into debt really quick. That's a great point that Dave Ramsey makes. So let, 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 let me go back to this parable about the talent. And I believe this needs to speak to our hearts on understanding our relationship with God and understanding what he requires of us as disciples of him when it, when it comes to the area of our finances. Let me ask you a couple questions here. They were stewards of whose money? It was the master's money. It was the owner's money. See, when they understood this, they understood clearly from the instructions of of the owner, of the master, that it was his money. And this will keep them from saying, it's my money. That's step number one of breaking the tie of, of entitlement An advantage because listen in america we feel let's let's be honest with i've been on many many missions trips and those of you that have been overseas missions you can see the heart of this the problem in america that we tend to run into is this entitlement attitude that we deserve this that i'm entitled to this and if we don't come back to the gospel message that jesus died for us and that we didn't earn it merit it or deserve it that we were bought with a price If we don't have that mentality, then we're going to walk into our relationship with Christ with this, well, I I earn it, I I deserve it, And, and money and finances and control is going to have a grip on your heart, and God's going to have a very difficult time working with us if we don't humble ourselves in this way. So the stewards, they understood this is not our money to squander. This isn't our money to dig in a hole and do nothing with it. They had clear instructions That it was the master's money. And this will keep them from saying, this is mine. Second thing I want you to see there is they understood his wishes. They understood exactly what they were supposed to do with. There was no excuse for it. And this kept them accountable to the wishes of the owner. You knew exactly what you understood. There was no gray areas here. There was no misunderstanding. So they were accountable to do something as he was away on this trip. The other thing they understood was they knew the personality and the character of their master. They knew what was expected. They worked for this person. For them to think that the owner would want them to take their talent and to bury it would be ludicrous. They, this, this, this third steward completely didn't listen to what the owner wanted. So there was this expectation. And then, and then this fourth thing I love because the amount given was based on their ability. So there was nothing unfair here. It wasn't like, well, you're making me do something that there's no way I could do. And I think sometimes we look at the abilities that God has given us and we think, well, you know, God, what have you done? What do you want? How do you want to use me? I mean, God's not going to tell me, Barden, I want you to be a worship leader, because I have no voice. That would be ridiculous. Everybody would head out for the back exits. Okay, i got five minutes of Pastor Barden's voice. You are not gifted in that area. And everybody said, amen. Thank you. (laughs) Okay. See, we have to realize, God, what is my gift? What have you gifted me with? And then let me use that for your glory. The amount that was given was based on their ability. So there was nothing unfair about the owner and what he was expecting of them. Are are you getting it here? So when we stand before the Lord and we have to give an account before our lives, guess what? We're going to have no excuse. We know the owner. We know his character. We know what he expects of us. And that was the problem with this third, third steward. He knew what he was expected and, and squandered what the owner gave him. And then here's the fifth thing. Let's get this and let's get this clearly. It wasn't the amount. It was what they had with and what they were given. So sometimes we think, well, I ain't got no money. I ain't got nothing. Look at my checking account. There ain't nothing in there. So I'm not accountable. Yes, you are. Yes, you are. Because everything that God has given us, he's given to us. And we are accountable before god on how we use everything so it wasn't the amount some had more some had less and so we just can't say well that's for other people that had more money no, no 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 god said you have no excuse what are you doing with what i've given you now how are you using that to build up the kingdom of god so it's it's no excuses it's, it's all about stewardship. Jesus talking about discipleship. What are you doing? At the end days, we're going to have to give an account for how we lived our life before the Lord. So the question we need to ask ourselves is how are we handling God's money? How are we handling the finances that God has given us? If we understand that he's the owner and, he, and, and we're the managers, how are we doing? Um, Dave Ramsey in his book, Financial Peace, we did a financial seminar here of Dave Ramsey a couple years ago. We'll definitely do it again, and I would recommend everyone going through it and uh, getting his books. I think he does an excellent job in, 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 in helping us get a grip and to get it right mindset um, on, our, uh, on our finances. And I just want to give you four quick things here, just four things that Dave Ramsey brings out. By no means is this exhaustive, and, and this isn't rock science, but I think it can help us get a grip on where we're going. And I would completely recommend you getting his books. And then when we do a, his seminar again, I would completely recommend you going through. We had uh, fifty people go through it a couple years ago. We had thousands of dollars in debt that was cut, credit cards cut up. It was it was really it was awesome, and uh, so many people gleaned and gained so many things to help give them financial. Uh, peace and freedom in their lives. So let me just give you just a couple of things, four ways that we can steward uh, God's money the correct way. Here, Here's the first one. Less is more. Can I get an amen? Less is more. We need to hear that in America. Uh, learn to live on less than what you make. I, I know uh, this is really elementary, but this is one of the first things um, my dad taught me when i sat through the uh, dave ramsey uh, financial peace seminar it was really i was blessed because i'm like man these are the things my parents taught me i'm so glad i wish they had this in high school it's nice that we have accounting class and all those things on on how to add and subtract but we don't have any classes on how to handle our money (laughs) wouldn't that be a good class (laughs) duh okay let's have a good class on that um But less is more. Live less on what you make. And and here's here's the heart of it. Here's the heart of it. Be grateful for what you have and not what you don't have. And we need to learn this contentment. Because Paul talked about contentment. I've learned to be content in all situations. Whether I had much or less, I learned to be content. That everything that God supplied for me was supplied by him. And I learned to be content in Christ. Not in always hoping if I just had more. And so I remember my dad just telling me, "Barden, here, here's how you do it. Here's, here's what you make. He Explained a budget to me, and, 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 and talked about delayed gratification. If you can't pay for it at the end, if you can't pay for it now, don't get it. Don't put it on credit. Never had credit card issues or problems. And I just thank God that I, that was instilled into my heart at a young age. And I know there's a lot more temptation today because when I was going through high school, it was just when they started the credit card uh, mail, where." Sign up for the credit card, and we'll give you a $400 credit. Now, as a college student, that's very attractive, right? And that's where the bondage starts for many people is right there. You get the credit, then you get another one. Hey, sign up for this card. We'll give you 10% off now. Sign up for this card. Right? And then just like the next thing you knew, you have 100,000 credit cards thinking that you're saving all this money, and we're buried in debt. So less is more. Learn to live on less than what you make. Second thing is here is just have a plan to become debt-free. Have a plan to become debt-free. I like what Dave Ramsey, he talks about in one of his books, um, and I saw it on his website, about this debt snowball method. I love this. Um, It's a great plan for attacking your debt and how quickly you can pay off debt and, and debt from credit cards and car loans and so on and so forth. The myth is this. The myth is you need to pay off debt with the highest interest rate first to get out of debt quickly. But here's the truth. You should knock out the smallest debt first to create momentum in your debt Snowball and does a great job explaining this uh, in his book Financial Peace. And so many times we just think, oh, it's, it's too big." We'll start off small, and then you see the momentum uh, that begins to happen, and how you can begin to pay off these things and get control um, of these of, of of our debt. The third thing I want you to see is have a budget. Now I know this sounds like a horrible word. Anybody, time someone hear of budget? Right? You ever heard that with your spouse? Well, that's not in the budget, right? You mean I can't get a pack of gum? Not in the budget, right? I love that word budget. I just, it's my go-to word, right? So I've got a daughter who's 16. That's my go-to word. Lily, it's not in the budget. Okay. Really? What's a budget? Never mind. I'll talk to you about it later. Can't afford it. We can't eat today. It's not in the budget. No, I'm just teasing. Okay. Have a budget. See, now I know this sounds like a horrible word, but it will save you from financial disaster. Uh, and, and here, let me just give you a simple exercise. You don't, you, don't, you, don't have to, you don't have to be a financial wizard to figure this out. But here's what I want you to do. I want you to do this exercise. And, and this was, when I did this exercise, it was mind-blowing for me. Mind-blowing. Because, because I thought I had a grip on where all my purchases were going all week. I thought, I know where it's going. I, I've, I've got a grip on it. I keep my receipts. I know where it's going. Uh, but this exercise really proved me wrong. on really all the little small detail things. So here's the thing I want you to do Here, Here's just a, just homework for you. Just something you, a little exercise you can do. Keep a journal. I don't care if you keep a journal or you keep a spreadsheet, Excel, whatever you want to do. I don't care what you do, but you will be amazed when you write down every purchase you make for a week. And here's what I want you to do. I want you to write down every single purchase you make from gum to you I don't care what it is. I don't care if it's the smallest thing restaurant, write it down. You went out to lunch because what we end up doing is we, think, well, this purchase isn't that big of a deal It was only a dollar, two dollars. Or I went to Starbucks. You know, it was only uh, $14 for a cup of coffee or, you know, and we think, well, it's no big deal. I got it. I got it. I got it. Right. All of a sudden, all of a sudden, what you begin to realize is it begins to add up. But here's the thing. It's not just looking at it going, oh my God, I spent way too much money and I feel guilty. And then you just end up doing it the next week anyways. Here's what it does for you. It will show you how to track your money and where it's going. How many have ever said this? I don't know where it went. You get to the end of the month, you start writing bills, you're like, where did all the money go? Where did it go? I'll tell you where it went. It went to all those little small purchases: the gum, Starbucks, YooHoo, whatever, whatever it is. I don't like YooHoo, but uh, YooHoo. If you like YooHoo, chocolate milk. I don't know what all this. And all of a sudden, we're like, where did all the money go? We shouldn't be asking ourselves, where did all my money go? We should know where our money is going. Because if we're good stewards, we should be asking, where is God's money going? See you how know, it's a hard thing, and all of a sudden, your eyes begin to become open to how we're handling our money. And our, it's not that God doesn't want you to have a yoo-hoo or a pack of gum, but the problem is we're so loose. And especially, listen, if you're paying with a credit card every time, you ain't thinking about it. You just take it. Whoosh, whoosh, whoosh. And I know some of you are like the wild wild. You got you got like holsters for your credit cards, and you're just whoosh, whoosh, whoosh. you stick it in there and it's down. You don't eat but how many know, this is Dave Ramsey brought this out. I thought it was a great question. How many know when you start paying cash for things, it hurts a lot more? There's just something about it. If you just take cash, for those of you that just struggle with your credit, if you just do away with it and start paying cash for things, all of a sudden, I was, I'm 52. So I remember the day when you paid cash for everything, right? And, 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 and when you pay cash, all of a sudden there becomes a hurt. <laughs> and then you might think twice about that purchase when you use cash instead of your credit card. Just something to think about. I thought that's a great point that that Dave Ramsey brings out because now you will see where it's all going. And this will be mind-blowing for some of you. All the small expenditures do add up. Once again, it's death by a uh, a thousand cuts. And let me just finish with this. Let me finish with this. God wants us to be generous with what he's given us. In fact, the Bible talks about being a generous giver. Because what happens is giving breaks the bond of money on my heart. And so here's what the word of God says. Here's what God God was showing the Corinthian church. Paul's writing them and he's saying, listen, Corinthians, you, you guys have money, but the Macedonian churches don't. But out of their extreme poverty, they were giving, they were giving, they were giving. And and we told him not to give because they were undergoing such severe poverty. But you had the means to do it. I want you to complete the act of generous giving to an offering that we're trying to take for the persecution of the Jerusalem churches. And we want you to finish that good work. And this is what Paul says to them. Each one of you must give as he's decided to give in his heart not reluctantly or under compulsion for God loves what a cheerful giver. The word actually there is hilarious. He loves a hilarious giver. And what that shows is it shows the grace that has been given to me for my salvation and all the things he's done for me should, should translate and flow through my life and how I give my time, talent and treasure unto the Lord. That will break the bondage of money on your heart. It all comes down to our attitude. Money is not evil. It's the love of money. I guarantee if you follow these things in your life and you apply them to your heart and your life, the financial burden that's been on your heart, the bondage that's been in your life will begin to break. Let me just personally share it for me. Um, because early in my life, I, I don't know what it is. I, I, I just, I'm cheap. All you know that. The birds call my name. Cheap, cheap, cheap. I'm just cheap. And I, I just very careful about our finances and budgeting, and blah, blah, blah. I'm just almost crazy about it to a point. And uh, I, I need to be careful there. So this personally for me. Um, I can remember when I first heard this teaching, I don't know, I was 20 or 19. And the pastor said this when he said, God owns everything. Something broke in my heart. There was, I was like, it was like a light. Now, I've been a, I was a Christian for maybe four years or whatever. But when he, the pastor said, I want all of you to know that God owns everything. He owns your life. He gave everything for you. He bought you with a price. His son's precious blood. That, it, it stopped being, okay, he just died for me. And I get he died for my sins. But that translated to every part of my life, especially in the area of my giving. That God, you own everything. And am I, am I, I haven't really, I knew I was supposed to give and I knew I was supposed to tithe and I did those things. But, but it's it, it just something I went, it was a motion that I went through. I just, okay, I give to the Lord, I give a little something here, or tithe or whatever I just do and I go through the motions. But when I really realized that God does own everything. It made me look at my life like, God, how am I doing with what I'm giving to you and the purchases that I make? Am I looking at these things correctly? Am I thanking you for the ability to give? And so the next time when I gave to the Lord, it really became an act of worship, not just an act of obligation. That's what Paul was saying, that God loves a cheerful giver. He doesn't need your money. He needs your heart. And God knows when money takes its grip off your heart, you begin to look at your worship under the Lord in a totally different way. He doesn't want you to be in bondage to those things. And I know a lot of you struggle with that era of your life. Let God bring that freedom to your heart. It's here. It's not about whether you have more. It's about whether or not God has more of your heart. And then you will look at your finances in a totally different way. And and we'll become the stewards that God desires us to be. So here's the takeaway. Let's finish on this today. Here's the takeaway. What areas of your finances is God dealing with you the most? What areas of your finances is God dealing with you most? Katie just comes up. I want us just to bow our hearts for just a moment. As we just close the service, I just want you to have a time with just you and the Lord and just allow God. Maybe maybe there's something like, yeah, pastor, I've been putting we are in a lot of debt and I've been putting that. It's, it's kind of like the ugly topic we don't like to talk about because it always it always starts fights. Well, let's as couples, if, if that's what you're struggling, want it, I, you need to get together with your spouse and get on the same page. And begin to say, how can we tackle this? Maybe it's, it's starting off by just having God take our hearts and forgiving each other for holding whatever it is over each other's heads for bad decisions that were made in the past. Maybe it starts there. Of just forgiving each other and to say, you know what? Let's not hold this over. Okay, whatever it is, it is. We made bad choices. Okay, there it is. Let's, let's cover it in the blood of Christ and his forgiveness and let's move forward. And then maybe it's taking that next step of saying, okay, let's get a Dave Ramsey book. <laughs> and let 's start reading through it, and start to get a grip on this area of our lives, so that God can bring healing, and God, God can help us to overcome this chain that 's been in our hearts and our lives. Maybe some of you here today, um, your attitude towards money some of these things just rang true in your heart like yeah i don 't have a correct, a correct view of money i 've really looked at it as mine. In mine and not really the Lord's. And I haven't been the steward that, that God has called me to be. Maybe God is, is causing you to take a step. Uh, that God is causing you to take a step in that direction of your life. To really take heed that God is the owner. And that we're the managers. And so allow God to speak to your heart. Maybe it's in the area of your giving. I'm not, I've been stingy in the area of my giving. I haven't been that cheerful giver. That, that God has want me to be in my giving is reflect that because I'll tell you a stingy giving is reflected of a, a stingy heart it is it's a it's a heart that hasn't hasn't seen what God has done so God how are you using my time talent and treasures for you am I stingy with those things or am I generous like your word says so Lord Jesus this this is a hard topic for all of us and we don't, want to leave, we don't want to lead people deeper into a dark cave of guilt and condemnation, but you want to lead us out into the light. So I pray for our church. I pray for individuals here that are just struggling in these areas. I pray, God, that you would just speak to our hearts, continue to allow us To come back to the cross and realize that everything you've done, you've done for us. And we didn't earn it, deserve it. So we lay our finances at your feet again. Lord, we want to be the the generous, cheerful givers that you've called us to be. We want to use our time, talent, and treasures for you, God, to glorify your kingdom. Lord, we don't want debt and so many things that have caused turmoil and strife in our life to keep uh, us under anymore, God. So I pray that you would... Uh, just instill in every heart here the ambition to move forward in this era to begin to talk about these things to come up with a plan uh, to, to get out of debt God and, and, and not allow that to hang over couples heads so that it, it won't cause a downfall or struggles uh, in marriages God and I just pray for every individual Lord here today that we would give you our heart that it's not money it's the love of it Lord, recalibrate our hearts again to look at you because ultimately you are the giver and you supply all our needs. So help us to look to you as our supplier. And I pray for anyone here today who's just in need that needs you to supply for some area in their life. God, show yourself faithful. God, let us be faithful to you in the way we look at everything you've given us. Let us be grateful for everything you've given us, God. You're so good. You're so good to us. So help us to remain grateful and cheerful in the way we give to you. We love you. We thank you. And we just ask all these things in Jesus' precious name. In Jesus' precious name. Amen.